1: Uh, I'm going to say, no one's better than me.
0: (laughs) Welcome Dolphins fans to another Thursday episode of Locked on Dolphins. I am your host, Kyle Krabs, and I owe all of you an apology. Because yesterday on the podcast, I did this thing that I unfortunately do quite often, where I kind of spiraled down the rabbit hole and got into team building philosophies. And I didn't follow through on my promise to get into some mid to late round prospects that I feel would make sense for the Miami Dolphins. And so, hence. That's what we're going to do today on the show is talk about mid-round prospects. I might get both offense and defense in, but if I go down the rabbit hole again, you guys are going to have to pull me out. We'll do offense today, defense tomorrow. I'm hoping to get everybody in today. But there's so many options with this team having so many picks at their disposal. Who knows? Scientists don't even know, really. So, But before we get anywhere... Regarding the NFL draft, we do have to bid farewell to two Miami Dolphins veterans who will be playing football somewhere else in 2020. Very shortly after I released the podcast yesterday, the news broke that the Miami Dolphins would be releasing Rashad Jones on March 18th when the league calendar opens. Rashad Jones has played 10 years of football in South Florida, one of the all-time Great stories of NFL draft players who is a fifth-round pick, really made the most of his opportunity, developed himself into a two-time Pro Bowl defender, uh, was very clearly snubbed from two additional Pro Bowls as well. Uh, Don't think I've forgotten. I will not forget. Uh, Rashad had a stretch there of about five years in which he was one of the the most underrated defenders in all football. And to see his, his tenure in Miami end... This way is a shame uh, because obviously it was very unceremonious, less than 200 snaps played this year. There was the big to-do last offseason with the Dolphins reportedly being interested in trading Rashad Jones. Uh, then they weren't interested in trading Rashad, and Rashad was training separately from the team with the new coaching staff. And then Rashad came back in, and the rumors of trades bubbled up again. And ultimately, he was he was an untradeable asset because of the contract restructure that the Dolphins asked him to do. One year into a five five year contract, it's a five year sixty million dollar contract. And one year in, they asked him to defer his entire base salary into guarantees throughout the rest of the life of the contract, and it made him untradeable in twenty nineteen. I would have loved to have seen Rashad get a chance in 2019 to play on a different team, to see if he couldn't finally get that big breakthrough. Of course, the one year the Dolphins made the playoffs during Rashad's decade in Miami, he didn't play in the game. It's a shame, uh, but Rashad, one of the best defenders of of this millennium uh, for Dolphins football since 2000, and you know you, you think about names like Zach Thomas and Jason Taylor. And Pat Sertain and Sam Madison and Cam Wake and Rashad's one of the best ten defenders that we've seen in the last twenty years in Miami, and he spent a decade of his his football professional football career in South Florida. So I want to start the show by thanking Rashad for all the great memories uh, that he's provided us throughout the course of what was a fairly dark time. Him and Cam Wake uh, were kind of the, the bright spots for Miami, the guys that would make plays in those big clutch moments when you needed them to. The other guy being Daniel Kilgore. Uh, It was announced this morning by ESPN's Cameron Wolf that the Dolphins will not be renewing uh, or or activating. He had a club option that I didn't even know was a club option, to be honest with you. He signed a contract in San Francisco, and then like a week later was traded to Miami. Uh, So his 2020 year was actually a club option, and the Dolphins are going to decline it and let him walk. Uh, so they're going to save an additional $3.5 million against the cap. So between Rashad and Kilgore, the Dolphins have opened up an additional just short of $10 million in cap space for 2020. Not that they need it. Uh, Daniel Kilgore will offer them zero in dead cap space. Rashad Jones will offer offer them in excess of $10 million in dead cap. And that's the year after they ideally would have traded him because he would have offered you a $25 million dead cap hit if you tried to trade him last year. Uh, So you could go ahead and... and I wouldn't say the safety dynamic has changed for Miami. We knew safety was an issue. We knew Eric Rowe moving back to strong safety did well there. Uh, We would also say that uh, this team needs tons of depth in the secondary period, so safety and multiple safeties is probably a likely play for the Dolphins in the draft and free agency anyway. And Daniel Kilgore didn't cut the mustard no matter how you sliced it in 2019 anyway. So even if he was going to be back, you were going to need to address the center position and get a little bit more reliable anchor. And that, that primarily was my issue with Kilgore's play this year, was just really struggling to handle the physicality at the point of attack and a lot of times overwhelmed and could not re-anchor himself. And it caused collapse of the pocket. It collapsed crowded running lanes for running backs. And it, it, it's really messy. And Miami, obviously, when they've had Mike Pouncey here, They've had some good center play, but that center play is so intermittent. Uh, I think the Dolphins, regardless of whether or not they were going to bring Daniel Kilbort back, we know they are not, and they're going to save $3.5 million against the cap. We're going to have to dress center anyway. So players on the out, continued exodus of players, but not necessarily players that weren't already not a part of the long-term picture. But regardless of their status as players now moving on or players that, that didn't quite provide us what we were hoping they would, I'd like to tip my cap to both of them. Uh, these were guys that who were prominent fixtures for the Dolphins uh, last last season or in Rashad's case in previous seasons And, and a decade's a really long time. So uh, another one of these sentimental departures when it comes to Rashad Jones. I remember feeling... Very conflicted about Cameron Wake leaving and, and Rashad, the same thing, uh, where he is inevitably going to get a chance to play somewhere else. I know Dallas has a need at safety. The Cleveland Browns are, are have a desperate need at safety and, and would have enough cap space that I feel like they would be a team that could throw him a competitive offer. Uh, no shortage of teams that I think could call Rashad and try and say, hey, you know, we we know... Durability is a little bit of a question, but we can give you a deal uh, short term, one or two years, kind of let you prove you could stay healthy and and help us in our winning window. Uh, And and I hope that success comes for Rashad. Uh, We will be right back after this brief pause for sponsor identification to get into some offensive mid-round prospects to late-round prospects that the Dolphins need to have earmarked moving forward for next month's NFL draft.
1: They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.
0: You guys ready to pop this thing open? It's 10, 28 a.m. I'm not going to tell you what it was. You can use your imagination. But anyway. NFL draft prospects. Offensive players. Uh, gonna go position by position here. And, and I think there's guys worth talking about at each position. And Miami is not really in a position to double dip at the quarterback position because of the presence of Josh Rosen. And I know people, people, Dolphins fans ask quite frequently, well, what about just trading Josh Rosen? And it's clear he's not gonna work out. And it's like, well, yeah, everybody else knows he's not gonna work out either. So who's gonna give you anything of substance for him? And that's the big block with Josh, is he's going to be here. He's cheap, he's young, he's got a good arm. They're going to work with him. Think of him as a developmental kid. Ideally, you don't, in hindsight, use a second-round pick on a developmental kid. But that that should be the perspective and the mentality that the Dolphins fans have with Josh Rosen. He doesn't have value in a trade. So it's kind of a moot point to get into talking about guys like Anthony Gordon from Washington State, who's a really fun football player. Uh, He's got a really live arm. He's a little bit more fleet of foot, can get off script a little bit, uh, coming out of this Washington State offense that put out uh, Gardner Minshew last year. And and Gordon, I think, has equal arm talent. Uh, It's not quite as, as polished as what Minshew was, and I still thought Minshew was a little rough around the edges too. Or James Morgan from Florida International who's more of a traditional drop-back passer and some ball security issues and played at two small schools because he played at Ball State first. And But his arm talent's really, really good. He's more of a prototypical pocket passer. Uh, I don't think it's necessary for us to sink a lot of time into quarterback, though, just because Miami has Fitzpatrick, potentially a top-10 pick at quarterback, and Josh Rosen all on the roster. So a late-round target for them really doesn't make a ton of sense. But you get into the running back position, and yeah, you get a lot of options here. Uh, if we were to generally consider the top five backs to be some combination of DeAndre Swift, J.K. Dobbins, Jonathan Taylor, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, and Cam Akers, those are the guys that I would bet are, are off the board within the first 75 picks. So if Miami wants to wait, or if they wanted to double dip, that's the the low-key kind of sleeper proposition here is they have enough picks where they could double dip at numerous positions. Uh, LaMichael P. Ryan from Florida. Uh, Florida kid is a good name to know. He's uh, pretty dense. He's about 5'10", 210 pounds. Good pass catcher out of the backfield. He's he's actually cut down on his weight a little bit so that he's able uh, to move with a little bit more wiggle if you will, and he did look good in that capacity in 2019. But with that said, he's not a super creative runner, uh, but he runs angry. And because he's so low and condensed, he can really punish you. So he's got good cuts. I like his ability to uh, set up blockers on the second level. He's never really been in a featured role he can catch the ball out of the backfield. He runs angry. He gets in the ball and checkdown down scenarios. He's really going to make it pay. Well, Michael P. Ran, I got in the fifth round, if he's there, uh, would make a lot of sense for me. Uh, Joshua Kelly from UCLA is another name. This guy was a, another senior bowl kid, 5'11", 215, so he's dense. Uh, and he's he he had a career best season this year at UCLA, and then he went to the senior bowl and had a really strong showing as far as burst through the hole. And uh, his ability to break angles as he's carrying himself out into the second level and kind of working through the line of scrimmage and, and looking for grass to run to. Uh, so, if you're looking for names, I think Miami's brand and play style, physical backs will help. It, it fits that blue collar mentality, that, that competitive toughness mentality that Brian Flores wants in his players. Uh, Josh Kelly, Michael P. Ryan, two day three running backs to earmark. For the Miami Dolphins. Wide receiver is interesting though. Because, first of all, it's crazy deep. There's like 15 guys in the top 100 of any draft resource that you use. I'd recommend the draftnetwork.com. But uh, that means you're going to get really good football players uh, later in the draft. And, and at the wide receiver position, Miami uh, they've obviously we, we discussed announced they're going to be parting ways with Rashad Jones and Daniel Kilgore. Is Albert Wilson next? He's owed $10.8 million against the cap this year. That's not good business. That doesn't make sense to pay him that kind of money. Even if he did look like the last couple of games, he was on a bounce back. So either you're looking at a restructure for him. But even if it is, like you got Jakeem Grant and Albert Wilson as kind of your, your shifty rack, run-after-catch guys in the slot, neither one of those guys can stay healthy with consistency. Uh, so I think it is worth looking into some names here name that stands out to me, uh, day three talent, is Devin Duvernay of Texas. Some people view him as a fringe top 100 prospect. I'm a little bit lower on him. He played slot at Texas. He's 5'11", 202 pounds, former sprinter. So he's got great straight line speed. Uh, The the problems with him is he doesn't run the top of his routes with a lot of crispness. So you're going to have to manufacture him into open spaces in order to uh, get him the football and allow him... Uh, to consistently have separation and create big plays, uh, but if you're looking for a guy who's got speed in the slot, he is definitely one. I think KJ Hill from Ohio State. You know all these Ohio State kids coming out these days with Brian Hartline working with them as the wide receivers coach. They're all great route runners, and kills not a, or KJ Hill is not a, a dominant physical presence, but he's pretty crisp with his footwork. He's got pretty good hands. I appreciate the nuance that he brings to route running, so he would be a player for Miami as well. If you're looking at day three options, Courtney Davis from Texas A&M, six one, 200 pounds, uh, one of the most quick-footed receivers in this year's uh, class as well. He is what uh, did not test as fast as I thought he would at like the in his forty and stuff like that. Not he plays more explosive than what he actually tested at. So those would be the names, because I'm looking primarily, I don't need guys that can play outside. We've got Devontae Parker. Between him and Preston Williams, you've got two guys that are going to command a lot of snaps, and then obviously Mike Isecki is another big-bodied receiver. Would like some complimentary guys. Alan Hearns isn't a super-shifty guy anymore. We've mentioned Dakeem Grant, but uh, he, he had his season cut short with injury yet again, so that's the concern with a guy of his stature, even though he got a contract extension. Those would be guys I would pick as kind of shifty, speedy slot guys that should be there on day three when Miami gets back on the clock in the in the early fourth round, and, and or late fourth round, early fifth round. Tight end, I'm going to be real with you guys. Thank goodness Mike Kisecki had a breakout year this year because if we needed to be in the tight end market, we'd be in trouble because either you're going to pay $12 million in free agency for Austin Hooper You're going to pay $8 million a year in free agency for Eric Ebron. Or you're going to draft a guy, and this tight end class is no bueno. It is not good. Uh, I like some of the the Day 3 guys. Cheyenne O'Grady from Arkansas is a name that stands out, but he's had some uh, some off-the-field issues uh, that actually saw him leave the program early this year. Josiah Degara from Cincinnati. Really good hard-nosed blocker. I think he would make a lot of sense. I think he's a little bit more athletic than Durham Smythe. But I don't think this will be a priority for the Dolphins, uh, given the fact that you know we are going to be a little bit more spaced out as a team now, a little bit less heavy sets, more uh, kind of flex tight end, look at a horizontally stretch this field and, and, and stress the defense horizontally. Uh, I Durham Smythe will be fine as a tight end, too. And I don't expect this team to be in too big of a market here. Offensive tackle, though. If you don't think the Dolphins are going to be in the market for offensive tackles, you are not paying attention. <laughs> so, this te- this offensive tackle class has a big four guys that will be going in the top twenty. Eighteen being the floor uh, between Jedrick Wills, Tristan Wirfs, Makai Beck, and Andrew Thomas. You could realistically see Miami spend a first-round pick on three other guys between Lucas Nyang, Josh Jones, and Austin Jackson. That's the order in which I would prefer them. Uh, and then day two guys, Ben Barch from St. John's, who's a, a D3 kid, who needs a year in the weight room, a little bit more uh, of a redshirt prospect, a developmental kid. Uh, Prince Tegawanaho from Auburn is really powerful, still a little raw. He's only been playing football for four or five years. Sadiq Charles from LSU had – like a six-game suspension of some kind. It wasn't really determined what it was, but the LSU team kind of hand-selected what games he would be suspended for and just let him sit throughout the season on the games that they knew they were going to win. So it was pretty convenient. Uh, Ezra Cleveland might be a day-two pick. Matt Peart from UConn I also expect to be a day-two pick. Isaiah Wilson from Georgia, uh, 6'7", 350 pounds. He's a mauler. Uh, he's very raw, redshirt sophomore, but I expect he'll also be a top 100 pick. So, uh, if you, unless you're planning on spending 70 or 56 for one of these guys, you know we're expecting an offensive tackle within the first four picks, and then we're probably going to circle back, look for some appealing qualities uh, on day three. Hakeem Adeniji from Kansas is a pretty athletic build. Uh, I like his movement skills. Uh, He doesn't play to his build, though. You know, he's 6'4", 305, something along those lines. And he definitely needs more functional play strength. I think the same could be said for Jack Driscoll, who was a UMass transfer to Auburn, started the last two years at right tackle for Auburn. Uh, But he's 294 pounds. There's a very clear size deficiency there as far as functional play strength. I'm interested in some some small school kids here. Alex Taylor from South Carolina State is one. Uh, think about Julian Davenport. Obviously, we did not see a very good showing from Julian Davenport this year. But the potential is there. Uh, and Davenport coming out of Bucknell was another small school kid that just, he needed to grow into his body and have the coaching take. Well, the coaching hasn't really took. And he's still in the process of of growing out his body. Alex Taylor is 6'9", 308 pounds. Definitely needs more weight room strength. But if you're going to spend a fifth round pick and use it as a lottery ticket and not have his trade chip, like I talked about yesterday, you might as well swing for the fences on guys like this. Guys like this where if everything clicks, he could be really good. And you've got a coaching staff uh, that has the ability to uh, coax better technique out of players and and a higher football IQ and understanding. So Alex Taylor... South Carolina State was at the Senior Bowl, probably available in the fifth round, sixth round, would be a name that I would peg as a guy that I would prioritize if I was going to try and add some developmental tackles to the picture. And then on the interior offensive line, to bring up the, uh, the rear here on the offensive side of the football before we make any executive decisions on if we're going to push for defense or not. I think there's good depth here. Um... Namely because you'll get scheme specific guards in the day three early day three range that it's just a positional value thing it's kind of like running back you know I had no shortage of names to talk about for running backs same thing can be said here for the interior offensive line I look at Shane Lemieux from Oregon uh, if he's there in the fourth round it's a home run fit I would love it. I would draft him in a heartbeat to play for this team. Logan Stenberg from Kentucky is a little too stiff for my taste. Uh, he plays very upright on his hips. He doesn't redirect very well. He's kind of like a pure pure mauler. Uh, I would pick John Simpson from Clemson as a name to watch if the Dolphins really want to overhaul their ability to reset the line of scrimmage. Guys like Simpson will get it done. Michael and Wenyu from Michigan, who's 6'3", 350 pounds, really good feet. He was at the Shrine Bowl, had a chance to see him there. Uh, he stood out to me in a really positive way in that respect as well. So Shane Lemieux, John Simpson, Michael and you, names I would stay away from. Daryl Williams was a popular name at the beginning of the year, and us at the Draft Network, really we really liked him. But it seemed like his play was really elevated by Elkton Jenkins. Uh, his play fell off significantly this year. He's not a name that I would target. I would be selective of when I target Tyler Beatis, uh, another name who's – Play dropped off significantly this year. He lost Michael Dieter to his left, who's obviously in Miami, and and they had good chemistry with one another. And if the price is right, I don't mind rolling the dice on Tyler, but I'm probably not drafting Tyler in the top 100 picks because he had hip surgery last year. It really seemed like it negatively impacted his play this year. And then he had shoulder surgery this year and was not able to do any of the combine activities. So significant joint issues resulting in surgeries in consecutive years, including this year's play and tape, his mobility was less. His ability to climb to the second level and stay sticky on blocks was less. It scares me a lot. So I know Tyler Bias, people say, oh, Tyler Bias, 56, lock it in. Let's see what the medicals say first before we sign ourselves up for that.
1: They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
0: I'm actually going to double back. We're going to go through offensively and name, since I just gave myself this idea that spontaneity is a good thing, right? A name to avoid at every position offensively. Tomorrow we're going to do defense. I'm going to settle in. Named to avoid at a quarterback position on day three. I would avoid Nate Stanley from Iowa like the, the, like the plague. He's prototypical drop-back passer, but the accuracy is not good. The, there's very little sense of timing. His appeal is the fact that he's got a prototypical quarterback build, and coaches are going to say, well, he played under center. There has never been a less relevant time for an NFL quarterback to have under center experience. And it's why I roll my eyes when I hear people ding Justin Herbert for it. If you want to ding Justin Herbert, that's fine. Express your concerns with his ability to handle pressure and consistently get off script and win off script. You can criticize the ball placement to some degree. Don't sit here and say, oh, he played all shotgun. Nobody cares. Nobody cares anymore if you play. (laughs) It's 80% of snaps in the NFL are shotgun snaps. Running back, day three. Prospect to avoid. I'm going to go AJ Dillon. He had a really good NFL combine. He tested a lot better than I thought he would. But I struggle with where your every down contributions are. Like, if if they draft AJ Dillon in the seventh round or sixth round, that's fine. But I think he's going to get overdrafted because he had a really good NFL combine. And at six foot 250, he just does not bring the ability to cut that I like to see preferably in my running backs. And A.J. Dillon, thinking about the Dolphins, you better damn well make sure that the offensive line can win gaps and win at the line of scrimmage before you get a guy that can't redirect off his track. So that's a a toxic blend of a player's strengths and weaknesses with the Dolphins' current roster strengths and weaknesses where we need to see that materialize before we make that investment in that player. Uh, day three wide receiver to avoid. Isaiah Hodgins, Oregon State. Why? We already have the exact same player on the roster. His name's Isaiah Ford. I've seen what I need to see. Kind of silky smooth, good high point skills. That was the book on on Isaiah Ford coming out of Virginia Tech. A lot of high point contested catches, good body control, fluid with his routes. Hodgins does all those same things. And he, also like Isaiah, doesn't run especially fast, doesn't have a lot of explosiveness to him. Tight end, I'll go Stanford's Colby Parkinson because he doesn't block particularly well. He's big, tall, long at 6'7", 251, and he's like, if Mike Gesecki wasn't a good athlete, that's what you'd get with Colby Parkinson. So I feel like the watered-down version of what Gusecki already brings to the table would feel like it's a little bit redundant. Offensive tackle, Calvin Throckmorton from Oregon. Had a chance to see this guy throughout the pre-draft process. And when you really put Justin Herbert's organ tape under the microscope, you see he really struggled. He was kind of all over the place. He, he's got good size, but he doesn't have good reach. He doesn't have good functional place rank. He doesn't consistently keep his balance. And then you see him in the pre-draft process, and I really felt like he struggled in that capacity as well. So between what I mentioned with Tyler Beatis is the proceed with caution and the rest of these guys, We've now had the opportunity to talk about Day 3 players to target and earmark and Day 3 targets on offense to avoid. I hope you guys enjoyed this kind of deep dive into some Dolphins draft prospects. Tomorrow will be the defensive side of the ball, plus whatever news inevitably drops as soon as I hit submit on this podcast because the Dolphins have done it to me two days in a row now. So the NFL too with the draft order, we didn't even get into that. If we don't get any news, we'll get into the draft draft picks specifically. We have the formal draft order. Uh, I'll definitely make sure I prioritize that, so we'll get that tomorrow as well. I'm Kyle Krabs. Hey, if you like Locked On Dolphins, if you're enjoying uh, what I'm I'm doing with the show, uh, please hit subscribe. Please let me know what I can do better. Uh, Leave feedback. Uh, If you have a chance to tweet at me, at GrindingTheTape, or if you have a chance to leave me an iTunes review, I would love to hear from you, the Dolphins fans, because this is the pot of the people and uh, really enjoy giving you guys a voice, talking to you about my beliefs, trying to attach uh, my background in football scouting with the Miami Dolphins, with this new philosophy that they're implementing. It's been a lot of fun so far. I'm really enjoying it. Thanks for listening. I'll talk with you guys again tomorrow.
1: Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music.